I have uh, had an adventurous week. Uh, those of you that were able to join us from live stream, I preached in Tennessee Wednesday. Uh, I know several of you were watching and you've uh, told me that you saw it. And so uh, um, I was, uh, we traveled Wednesday and Thursday. So we went down, no, Tuesday and Thursday, went down Tuesday night. I preached Wednesday and we come back th- Thursday. So it was an adventurous week. I, I, Sunday kind of snuck up on me. Uh, I, I didn't realize it was Sunday already because when you have something like that in the middle of your week, it kind of throws your whole week off, which I've been off for three weeks anyway because Christmas threw me off and then New Year's threw me off and now this has thrown me off. So I don't know what month it is, what day it is. Uh, I'm just here and I'm glad you're here too. So, so <laughs> We're doing something different uh, in 2023. I told you last week if you weren't here, let me just give you a refresher and this won't be the last time you hear it either. I have always been very deliberate uh, with my sermons. I've always just gotten up, and and, it, uh, and what I was preaching had a definitive beginning and a definitive ending. Uh, that was one individual sermon. You come back next week, and, and you'll get something totally new. And even when they are uh, encapsulated within the confines of a sermon series, there's still uh, one sermon that has a beginning and a sermon that has an ending. And uh, I have been, since we uh, moved into this building, I have been preparing sermons in advance. And I'll get to that in a moment. That has, that has opened up some, some new areas to the Spirit for me that I've never, I, I've never experienced before. And, and one of the things that I felt like this year was I had so much to teach you about this two subjects that we're going to be just over and over reiterating to you this year that I could not, in good conscience, call it a sermon and a sermon and a sermon or even a series. But I had to just get up and I'm going to teach you everything I can teach you uh, within the confines of one Sunday and then I'll just do something else uh, the next Sunday that has to do, we're just going to continue the story. Uh, This may be the never-ending story, I don't know. Jesus might come back and take us home before I'm finished, I don't know. Uh, and that'll be all right too, but but I'm just I'm just going to continue where I, I left off, and and what I'm trying to do each week is give you a little bit more that is going to prepare you for where God's trying to take us to. Now I'm going to give you some vision this morning. Is that all right? Uh, again, this is going to be more teaching than preaching. I told you last week if you were here, get you a big thick notebook. And a couple pens because you're going to wear one out. So you're going to need more than one. You're going to, all the ink going to run dry out of one of them unless it's an anointed pen. If it's got promise of victory on it or something, that probably won't run out on you. Uh, but but, but it's, it, you're going to wear your, your fingers down to bone. Or if you're one of these people that takes notes on your, your phone, you're going to get carpal tunnel. And we're going to pray for you and get you healed. Uh, but that's, we're, there's going to be a lot of information. And, and, and I, I intend it to be that way. Because we're moving We're moving into a new season. I'm going to talk to you this morning about seasonal allergies. And again, this ties in with last week. It will tie in with next week and the week after and the week after. So everything I'm giving you is preparing you for where we're going. And it's not just one sermon. It's not just a series of sermons. It's me and the Holy Spirit trying to get you prepared for where he's trying to take you to. Is that all right? So I'm going to jump right into the information this morning. I, I don't have a whole lot of fancy dialogue. I'm going to jump right into the information. We're, we're going to talk this morning about seasonal 
allergies. And, and, and an allergy is this, according to uh, the medical definition. An allergy is when you have a damaging response to something you have become hypersensitive to. It is a damaging response to something you have become hypersensitive, overly sensitive, or overly stimulated. It's damaging to, to you. And it happens to a lot of people when seasons change. We happen to live in a, in a corner of the globe where we have four definitive seasons. We've got a springtime and a summertime, and, and we've got a fall. And, and, you know, spring is a fun 15 minutes. You know, it's 20 below zero, and then we have 15 minutes of spring, and then it's 972 degrees with 100% humidity. But, but, but we, we, we have four definitive uh, uh, seasons here in this area. So you understand that when seasons change, it really affects some people. They have seasonal allergies, which is a response to what's happening around them. It's an involuntary response. Some people get runny noses. Some people get, uh, they, what do they call that, post-nasal drip. Some people get itchy and watery eyes. Some people walk around sneezing. And you can't do that in 2023. You know, we, we used to just say, oh, I just got allergies. But not, no, 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 not since, not since COVID. You're not allowed to sneeze or cough or snort out in public. Everybody get, gets real nervous when they hear a sneeze from across the... I was on an airplane the other day, and a guy sneezed, and the whole airplane in unison... Don't you know that we're all locked in this death tube together? Fellow, what are you doing? What's going on over there? Somebody give him a test. So, so, so people have different involuntary reactions when the seasons change. Amen. I'm going to point you to the wisest man who ever lived. I'm only going to use one passage of, or one scripture this morning, part of a scripture, for our opening text. And, and it's... Solomon, the smartest man, the wisest man who ever lived, he wrote a book called Ecclesiastes. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1, it says this, to everything. Stop, stop right there. That's not some things. That's not most things. He says everything. To everything there is a season. A time for every purpose under heaven. That's, that's all I'm going to say. Right? That, that's, 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 the whole, that's the whole text that I'm going to use to open my sermon this morning. There, there is a time for every purpose. The, the reason I want to stress that to you is because you think some of the seasons you go through are wasted because they're undesirable, unintended responses to the seasons of your life that are changing. You, you think because you're having an allergic reaction to the mess that is happening around you, an involuntary allergic response to your seasons changing, you think, surely this is an attack from the devil. Before I get deeper into our teachings in this series, I need you to come to the mindset 
that God doesn't waste anything. That when God brings you through a season, it is a time for every, say that word out loud, purpose. That God intentionally places you in uncomfortable seasons. And you feel like it's an attack from the devil. You feel like you are falling under condemnation. Maybe my family is cursed. Maybe I have gotten uh, separated from God. But if I read what the wisest man who ever lived has to say about it, he said there is a purpose for every time. So, so I'm going to talk to you this morning about a God who works in seasons. Okay? You see it in creation, right? We live in a world, uh, a part of the world, where the seasons change. Now, I'm, I'm not going to get too deep into this, but I don't want to get too scientific on you. But there's a reason seasons change. The reasons that, that, that we see the leaves change, and then the snow flies, and then the sun comes out and cooks us all, is because the rotation of the earth around a fixed object called the sun. Okay, The sun never moves, but our planet circles the sun. And as it moves around a fixed object, it causes the seasons to change. The sun remains the same, but the object that is located in close proximity is constantly seeing changes. And in a lot of ways, I see the same artist that created the solar system working in my life and in your life. Much like the earth, our life revolves around the S-O-N and not the S-U-N. And as we move around the S-O-N, our lives undergo changes. Seasons. They come and they go, and we will come into a season and out of a season, but the SON never changes. He's the same today, tomorrow, and forever. So we measure seasons by nature, we measure it by the calendar. You look at your calendar and you say, when are we going to take vacation? Well, we're obviously going to want to go in June, July, or August because that's going to be when the weather is the prettiest. How do you know that? Because through your life experience, you know that during that season, you have the greatest chance of getting good weather. Do you know that you have conditioned your spiritual life the same way? That you know that when the bills are paid and the kids are healthy and nobody's fighting you at work, and the pastor is preaching all the real good, feel-good sermons and the songs is your favorite songs, you know that that season in your spirit is when you feel the warmest and the most benefited and the most prosperous. You condition your spirit to know that during Christmas, because mom died near Christmas, you're going to get depressed. Oh, oh, y'all, y'all, y'all are going to leave me hanging like that, like I'm the only one. You condition your spirit to know that I can have a good day all day, but as soon as that joker comes home from work and takes his boots off, my good season has come to an end. It's me and Jesus for the rest of the night. You condition your spirit 
to react to the seasons. You, you, you know that, that during certain periods of time, during the year, you're going to feel more upbeat, more encouraged, more strengthened, and then there are times that you're going to feel down and lowly and depressed. So, so we see in our, in our world that we measure, we do it by the calendar. Every year, Christmas starts earlier. Pretty soon they're going to be selling candy canes at Walmart on the 4th of July. Because every year they want Christmas to last a little bit longer. And, 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 and God use a calendar. I'm, I'm about to give you some of that deep information you're going to need going forward, okay? Here's how God measures seasons. It's not by calendar. It's certainly not by a timepiece. God gives you seasons through truth and revelation. Okay, in other words, when God gives you a fresh word, He doesn't do it to make you jump and run. He gives you a fresh word because He's about to bring you into something new. So when you're sitting in the sanctuary and the preacher says something and you go, ooh, that was good, and it jumps in your spirit, understand this. You're now responsible for what God just did in you. That wasn't just something good for you to jot down and hang on your mirror to inspire you to be a better person. No, 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 no. If God is giving you new revelation, it's because he's about to do a new thing. The seasons are changing. So, so when he hangs a new word in your spirit, it's not just to make you go, ooh, I feel more spiritual now. I had good church today. No, 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 no. He's about to impress upon you something you were not prepared for previously but he knows he's about to open the door to a new season and in order for you to walk into it you need that word that new revelation he just put in you so you are in preparation for a new season so 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 when he gives you this word it's for something he's about to do look at your neighbor and say god's going about to do something just 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 god, god god's about to do something god's about to do Okay, I started something in November, and most of you don't know it because you don't come to Super Sunday night services. So, so let me, I'm not shaming you, I'm just saying. I began something in November on Super Sunday, and what I gave you was the theme for this coming year. Okay? Because I believe, if you don't hear nothing else I say to you, why I'm preaching this this way this year, why I'm giving you this information is because I believe that God is wanting to do more for you this year than you are presently believing God to do. This, this line of teaching, which by the way, by the end of the year, if I can find somebody to transpose it and we get the finances to do it, I'm going to get it in written form and I'm going to be able to pass it out like a book and give it to you. The reason I'm believing that I'm preaching this way is for two things that God wants to ignite in you this year. And it seems simple, but if it was simple, he wouldn't have me as distressed about it as I am. It's prayer and it's faith. This year, God is wanting to get you deeper into prayer because he's wanting to unlock some things through your faith. And it's things that God has been holding in store for you, but what you have done up to this point, this season you've been in, isn't going to unlock what he's got for you. If you want what you've never had, you're going to have to do what you've never done. 
And, and so the teaching that I'm going to be doing is trying to inspire you to pray differently. We talked some about that last week. And inspire more faith in you. Okay? But there are things in your life that are hindering you from believing and receiving. Are you ready for this revelation? On Sunday mornings, my mandate is to deal with the stuff that is standing in your way. Because Sunday nights, on Super Sunday, we're walking into possession. So if you're missing Sunday nights on Super Sundays, you're missing something. Because we're dealing with the things on Sunday morning that is in your way. But on Sunday nights, God has told me that that's when we walk into the possession of it. Because everybody ain't ready for that. As much as you love Jesus and as much as you love his word and as much as you love coming to his house, everybody ain't ready to possess. I know this. I can show it to you in the word. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to slow down for a moment. It's going to seem like I, I lost my place, but I know exactly where I am. I'm going to share with you now what I shared in November at Super Sunday. We at Promise of Victory have three core beliefs. I know that falls on deaf ears to some of you because it seems like just a kitschy, uh, just a gimmick, something that churches do so they've got a fancy thing to put on their billboard. But I was spoken to by the Holy Spirit about these three things over two years ago. Our, our three core beliefs at Promise of Victory, some of you, two and two, he gave me a word. You ready? This is, our, this is our word. This is promise of victory. This is the season we're in. This is the word that he wants to attach to your spirit to make you become what it is he's trying to bring you into. These are the, these are the promises that God has spoken over your life and tried to give to you, but you haven't yet been ready for. I know that you can do all things, God, and that no purpose of yours, God, can be hindered. So I feel like the word for some of you, and I don't know which one of you are going to snatch it, I don't know which one of you are going to lay claim to it, and I don't know which ones of you are going to operate in it, but I believe that the word for some of you this year is unhindered. This is the year where you finally become unhindered. I didn't ask you how long you've been in church. I didn't ask you if you've been baptized in water. I didn't ask you if you speak with other tongues. I didn't ask you if you fall out on the floor and flop like a fish out of water. I didn't ask you if you're spiritual. I didn't ask you if you have uh, went through discipleship training. I'm telling you that every person in this room has hindrances. Every believer in this room has something standing between where you are and where God's trying to take you to. Every believer in this room has got a stone in front of Lazarus' tomb that God himself said, I didn't put it there, so I'm not moving it. Oh, my God. See, I, I didn't even intend to go down this road. But when he rolled up to Bethany, they said, Jesus said, roll the stone away. Why did Jesus tell them to roll the stone away? Because Jesus didn't put the stone there in the first place. He said, there are things that are 
are standing between your miracle and where you presently are. You don't understand that the things that you have done, it took a lot of work to put that stone in front of that. That wasn't an easy job. It took a lot of people getting a lot of help. Some of you have got a lot of help putting hindrances in your way. Some of you have enlisted a lot of folks over the years to help you put hindrances in your way. And you come to church and you love the Lord and you pay your tithes and you're a member and you do all the things and all the stuff but I want to ask you, why haven't you seen the miracle of the tomb yet? Why haven't you entered into the place where God has given you the richness and the fullness and showed you things you've never seen? What is hindering you? It's a stone you put in your own way. And this year, somebody help me and say this year. Yeah, talk back to me. This year, this season, God wants to get you unhindered. I didn't say he wanted to get you saved, hoping you're already there. He ain't even trying to get you to heaven. He's got a plan for all that. He, he, he's got it figured out when you're going to reach the pearly gates. That, that, that's, that's a plan he already has. What he wants to do is let you live life right now unhindered and I'll be the only honest Christian in this room this morning to tell you I know for a fact I got some stones I rolled in my own way I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I'm so righteous and holy and so close to God that I never do anything to sabotage my own success no 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 as a matter of fact I have done myself more damage than the devil ever had we like to blame the devil. We like to blame the government. We like to blame D.C. or whoever's in the governor's mansion. But I got news for you. Nobody in no governor's mansion has ever caused me as much pain as I have caused myself. I have hindered my growth. I have hindered my maturity. I have hindered my relationships with humans and with God. My own stupid choices. My own selfish ambitions, my own rebellious nature, everything that I have ever done that was not in tune with my Father's heart for me. See, God wants nothing but good for you. But we're going to talk a lot about this, man. Come February, my wife and I have to go do a marriage seminar at the Princeton Church of God, the Lifeline Church. And we're going to go do a marriage seminar in February. And and I'm going to preach that Sunday. And and, and when I get back, man, we're going to have these props up here on this stage. And and I'm going to be talking. God's been giving me so much revelation, stuff I never saw before about this flesh and how to separate it from the Spirit. And the key to it is this real estate between your ears. This mess, this stone that you've rolled in your own way and you don't know how it's hindered you from walking in His favor. We'll get into all that later. I, I told you this is way too much for me to do in one sermon or, or one series of messages. I'm just, going to be, I'm just going to go until I can't go anymore. And by the way, I apologized last week for going long. Don't expect an apology every Sunday. That's all I'm saying. I ain't going to try to be mindful of children's church and stuff because I know that we got them locked up and, and sometimes them. And I'll, be trying to, I'll try to be mindful. Maybe they're going to have to release them early and come in here and hang on you for a little while. I don't know. But I, I, I don't expect an apology every Sunday, but also don't expect me to just quit all the time at, at, when the clock strikes to uh, hickory dickory dock. Because I'm trying to become unhindered so you can... Y'all not going to help me. I, 
See, see, this is the time of your life when God is wanting to do the things that you have prayed for. The things you have dreamed about. The things that God has prophesied into your life through the years. But no matter how much you fasted, no matter how much you've prayed, no matter how much words you have read, you've claimed it, you've shouted about it, but you haven't seen it, have you? Is there anybody like me? That's got prophecies hanging over your life. That's got words hanging over your life. That you have seen promises that you have not seen fulfilled. Anybody else? Yeah, you've, you, you've laid claim to it. You still believe God for it. But something has hin- hindered. This year, some of you are going to need to grab hold of this word, unhindered. Because there's some stuff in your way. There's some hindrances. If you ever look back at that scripture, I want you to memorize Job 42.2 this year. Here's what it says. No purpose of yours. That tells me God has a plan. He said no purpose of yours. That, that means God has already got something in mind. And the purpose of God cannot be hindered. So, 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 so y'all don't like it when I talk about y'all, so let me just testify. Here's what I read when I read that. Albert Mitchum, God has a plan for your life. And no plan of his can be hindered. So why ain't I walking in it? If nothing of his, no plan he has for me can be hindered, why ain't I possessing it? It tells me God ain't the one with a problem. So what I'm going to be preaching to you this year is not going to have a thing to do about what God can or cannot do. Because I'm already believing it's established in heaven that God can do anything. Anything's possible. What I have to do is preach you into moving that stone out of the way. So, So this morning I want you to look. I want you to look at the person sitting beside you, maybe the one in front of you or, or, or behind you. And, and, and we seem to think change from season to season happens slowly. But what you don't realize is the person you're sitting near has already had an opportunity to change. Change don't have to take 15 months or 15 years. Change can happen, according to the Bible, in the blink, in the twinkling of an eye. So some of you are going to walk out of here differently than you walked in here because you're going to step into a new season because you realize, oh, that's been me hindering my blessing. Ah, That's been me hindering my miracle. That's been myself hindering my breakthrough. I I could have had this. uh, Preacher, are you telling me I could have been walking in freedom all the time? That's exactly what I'm going to try to preach into you over the next several months, that you could have already been there. We could have already been there if we would have got the hindrances out of our way. You thought you were just coming to Sunday morning meeting time, but you didn't count on moving into a new level, into a new dimension of glory, or, or, or feeling God in a brand new way. So, 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 so do me a favor. I know, I know this, is, this is old church, but we, we're getting there. Look at your neighbor and say, is that you? Or have you changed? 
Everything has a season. Everything has a season. Every aspect of our lives is within a season. And did you see what he said? There is a purpose for every season. There's a reason for the season. That means there's a purpose for the process. I have to intentionally take my time because you'll miss a lot of this revelation I'm dropping. But there are also reasons that you have allergies against your seasons. Three of them in particular. I only have three, three points that don't mean I'll get there quickly. Don't get that twisted. The reason you have allergies to your seasonal changes, number one, because seasons happen without your permission. Some of you still want your babies home and they be three years old when they're really 33. And nobody asked your permission that your babies could grow up. Like, like life just moved on. Hey, nobody asked your permission that your joints could wear out. Like you used to bounce out of bed and go work 20 hours and come back and fall back into the bed and now you roll out the bed. Have to lay there 15 minutes <laughs> while you warm up like you're a, a, an old Edsel engine. Ba -ba 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 -ba. Pull out the choke. <laughs> ba -ba -ba -ba. Nobody asked your permission for that season to change. Like you used to just run and do whatever you wanted to and do it as fast as you want to. And now somebody says, can we meet about 7 o'clock? You say, I'm going to need a nap first. Didn't nobody ask you if your seasons could change like that. They just happened without your permission. But what you didn't realize then was that those seasons changed and taught you some things. And you would not have learned those lessons if you hadn't have gone through the things you went through. You would Have you ever made this statement, I wish I knew then what I know now? Why do you know now what you know? Because you were forced... You were forced to learn lessons to cope with the changes. When the seasons changed, you were so immature that you didn't know how to handle it, but you survived it because you learned how to survive the changes. Because had you not learned, you wouldn't be here. So, so there are seasons that you have gone through that really you didn't know why you had to go through it, right? But there's a reason... For that season, and just because you're going through some stuff or have gone through a rough season doesn't mean God's finished with you. Do you know what Paul says in Philippians chapter 1, one of my favorite verses that Paul ever wrote? He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. Notice he didn't just say he begun some work. He said he begun a good work in you. Well, some of your seasons... Don't feel like good works. Can somebody testify with me? Some of the seasons you, some of, some of you sitting under the sound of my voice this morning, you're like, this season don't feel good. But God started a good work in you. Everything that comes out as an outcome doesn't feel good. But it doesn't stop the work from being good. 
So, so you just you're stepping in, you're in a season, but make no mistake about it, hold on to that unchanging hand, and you're gonna rotate around the SON enough times that you're gonna step into a brand new season. And the one you left behind will have taught you some stuff, even though you didn't enjoy it at the time. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that, and, and boy, you're gonna really like this one. You love me? You are gonna appreciate this point. Changing seasons brings changes. And you love change. Only person that likes change is a baby with a dirty diaper. Everybody else fights it. Most people handle change worse than every other challenge. Do you realize that they, they, took, a, they took a poll one time and they asked people what was the worst part about going through uh, cancer treatments? And none of them, uh, very few of them said it was the pain and the nausea. It was the uncertainty of the changes. That's what made, I mean, it wasn't the pain in the body. It wasn't the physical pain. It wasn't the nausea. It, was, it, it wasn't all the doctor. It was, I don't know what this is going to do to me. It's changing. My life is changing. I can't do what I used to do. We hate change. And God constantly makes us. Change is inevitable. I, I don't care how old you get. Life is always going to be changing. It's going to happen. Just look at the world around you. The world don't look a thing like it did 10 years ago. And actually, it's moving so fast now, I don't know if it looks the same as it did when we got here this morning. Like I, When I walk out of the service, I'm like, well, I was in there for about two hours. The world's changed already. But we serve a God of seasons. And each season is different than others. I grew up, you know, I grew up working Grandma's farm, and Here's one thing I know. There are seasons, and if you plant around your house in this environment, now, if you live where my daughter lives in Florida, you know, stuff's green all the time, year-round, never changes. But here, some seasons are for stuff to grow and flourish. There, my wife, I built my wife some planter boxes a few years ago, attached them to the front of the house, and every spring she's got me. I love building stuff that provides me more work to do. Happy Mother's Day. Here's your boxes that I get to dig in every spring and fall. Because every spring I got to plant flowers in it. Then all summer I get to water them flowers. Pull weeds out. I'm like, man, this is a great gift I gave her. It's a gift that keeps on giving the whole year long. Because every year I'm reminded I did this to myself. Because in the springtime, i got to go there and plant flowers. And then in the summertime, i got to water them flowers and pull the weeds out and keep them fertilized. And, 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 and they look real good. But in the fall time, i got to go out there and dig them up and throw them over the hill. Why? Because some seasons are meant for things to grow and flourish. Some seasons are intended to let stuff die. And we don't like that. We do not appreciate it. Hello, somebody. We do not appreciate it. When God is intentionally letting stuff, you enjoyed the process. You were planting them. You were enjoying the beauty. You was watering them. You were nurturing them. You was babying them. You were providing for them. And now God let that die. I don't appreciate that. And some seasons, some seasons, have you noticed? Some of y'all like me, you're getting a little longer in the tooth. And some of y'all look at me like, you're a young whippersnapper. No, I ain't either. Would to God, from your lips to God's ears. But, but some of you remember, like when we were kids, 
Do you remember like winter didn't last six months long? They keep talking about global warming. I'm waiting on to show up. Because it feels like it gets winter in November and stays that way till like June. And, 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 and some seasons last longer than other seasons. Some seasons cause the darkness to prevail. One of the worst things about this time change that we do is it gets dark at 4.30. Like you feel like it's, I'm sitting at the house sometimes, I'm like, man, I'm ready for bed. Oh, the 6 o'clock news just started. But it's been dark for hours already. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Because darkness lasts so long. In this part of the world, when, 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 when this season happens, we have more darkness than we do light. And some of your spiritual seasons have felt the exact same way because they were. Because some seasons are intentionally darker. They didn't teach me this when I joined the church. When I got into church, it was always, if you serve Jesus, everything is going to be all right and the sun's going to shine through the clouds. And then I got a cloudy day and I was like, where are you, Jesus? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like it was all, I, I picked up on all them sermons of the prosperity gospel and I was like, yes, name it and claim it and grab it and blab it and everything's going to be all right. And then the clouds came over and the night lasted 12 hours and I was like, my God, I must have backslid. I didn't understand that some seasons are intentionally darker and longer than other seasons. Is this good? Is this helping anybody? So God gives us truth and revelation to propel us into different seasons. Why? Because you are a creature of habit. And if he didn't change things, you would become complacent where you are. Israel became complacent as slaves. They were complacent. Now they cried out to God to rescue them, but as soon as he rescued them, things wouldn't go. They would enter a new season of difficulty, and they what? Wanted to go back. Because they have become complacent as slaves. And God knows this about you. I remember as a kid, summer seemed to last so long. Do you remember? And why? Because you were out of your routine. You didn't have to wake up at a certain time, like before dark. You didn't have to brush your teeth and get dressed. You didn't have to go to school, listen to them teachers, sit still. I was in my play clothes all summer. I had to, I, if I didn't want to wear shoes, which I wear shoes because I might be from West Virginia, but I do not go barefoot. Mm-mm. I might be from McDowell County, but I got to have shoes on my feet. I can't. Mm-mm. Call me a tenderfoot, make fun of me all you want to, but I want shoes on my feet. But, but, but if I didn't want to, I didn't have to. I ran around with kids all summer long. They didn't even have no shoes. They got one pair of shoes for the year. That's going to last them through the school year. And at the end of the school year, their mama was like, go run free, my child. But we were up in the woods, we were swinging on grapevines, we were making tree forts. I mean, we were, we were free. As long as we was home, by the time the streetlights came on and Mama wouldn't beat us, we was all right. Summer seemed to last so long. When, uh, Jesus, um, when Jesus was asked how we was going to know how he was going to come back, what are we supposed to look for, the disciple says. He says, the seasons are going to change. Some things are going to start happening that's going to cause the seasons to change. See, I thought summer lasted a long time, but there came a time when the season had to change. Why? Because I had to go to school and learn something. 
there was a season where I was doing nothing but playing. Well, and working Grandma's farm. But there was a season where I didn't have to go learn anything. But then that season ended, and it was time for a new season where I had to go put my clothes back on, do the stuff I didn't want to do, do the hard work of learning. Jesus said, you're going to know I'm coming back because you'll see the changes of the seasons. Things that used to be won't look the same anymore. Paul told Timothy, when, when the end of this thing is wrapping up, perilous times will come. He said, people will shift their affection from loving God to loving themselves. You're going to see a seasonal change. He said, they'll go from being grateful to being ungrateful. Be a seasonal change. And see, changes happen to you or changes happen for you. You decide. Are you going to let change happen to you? Are you going to go into it kicking and screaming? Or are you going to embrace it and say change is happening for me to propel me into I want to be unhindered. I need to stop right here and I just need to ask you. See, whether you come back for the rest of this teaching or not is going to be determined on whether or not you want to live the rest of your spiritual journey unhindered. Because if you're complacent, sitting outside that tomb, wondering what's on the other side of that rock, if you're content to just wonder, to, to know that the promises in the book were made to you, but you don't have them, if you're content to say, well, I'm, get, I'm good enough and I'm getting along, if that's okay with you, you won't enjoy the rest of this teaching. But if there's somebody that's sitting in this room that's like me, that's a little bit disturbed, and when we get over to Mark chapter 9, I'm going to teach you why I'm so disturbed. That you're a little bit disturbed, that there's some stuff in that book that you're not walking in, and you're not operating in, and there's some promises over your life that you haven't seen yet. That disturbs me. I'm in a season of my life where I'm not content any longer to sit on this side of the rock and wonder what's over there. I want to move whatever is hindering me and receive my promise. Is there anybody in here? We'll have half a crowd next week. Some of y'all stay home and watch Bishop Jakes. That's all right. But if you want to, if you want to live the rest of your spiritual journey unhindered, that's the journey we're on. So, 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 Change sounds awful until you embrace the meaning of it, the purpose behind it. Every season has a purpose. Do you know why we're still here? Do you know why the church is still here? Because we have a purpose. We are living in a significant time in human history. Do you know that? And we are supposed to be preparing ourselves under the Word of God to become a bride for Jesus to come back and snatch out. A bride without spot and without blemish. And we're supposed to be a light to those out there about what a difference Jesus makes in our life. That's why we're here. We're not here to have real good meeting times on Sundays. That's not why we're here. We are here to make a difference in the world. So you are living by divine assignment. That's the season you're in. You're in the season that's going to usher in the trumpet that's going to take the world into the next dimension. Wow. That's our assignment. That's our journey that we're on. And, and so we're living in an incredible time to be alive. And I know when you, when you and we'll get to this in a minute. I, I know I'm preaching a long time. I don't care. Uh, uh, we'll get to this in a minute. Some of you are saying constantly, but the world is so dark. Yes, praise God. 
Somebody can finally see the light because the darker the world gets, the light, brighter the light will shine. Look at, what, look at what happened to the disciples. They entered a new season. Jesus came walking along, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18. Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me. What did he say? Follow me and what? I will. I'll show you how. King James says, I'll make you. I'll show you how to fish for people. Do you understand that one day Peter was just an ordinary fisherman? Until, I said until, Jesus come walking by and gave him a new word of revelation. And he changed the whole dynamic of the rest of his life because he gave him a new word. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, whenever you get a word and that, whoo, it quickens in your spirit. Has that ever happened to you? If that hadn't happened to you, you've been in the wrong church. Because when you're in church and you hear that revelation word, that rhema word be preached, and all of a sudden you're like, whoo. That's good. God didn't just do that to you because he wanted to poke you in the belly button. Woohoo! Like you, the Pillsbury Doughboy. He gave you that because he wants you to know that word is your entry into a whole new reality with him. A new season. Jesus said, follow me and I'll show you some stuff. You've never seen it before. This is revelatory. You've never seen it before because I'm making you into something you never were before. So, 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 let me break it down for you. That word show or make in the Greek can also be, can also be translated as sprout forth. In essence, there's a miracle in you. There's a miracle in you. And the seasons of your life has served as the seasonal changes necessary to sprout forth. God, this is good. I hope you get hold of this. Because you went through a season where you were planting the right seeds. Look at me in that tone of voice. The reason you went through that season was because you spent how many years planting the wrong ones? You planted all kinds of wrong seeds. You spread, Some of y'all spread a lot of wrong seeds. Y'all. Y'all out there spreading seed in places you should have kept the door. Y'all know. Did I say that out loud? You spent a lot of years reaping to the wind, sowing to the wind and reaping the whirlwind. You spent a lot of years making the wrong choices. And now there was a season where God took all of that, tilled up that hard ground, planted the right seed. That was one season. And, and then... He's making you. Hey, follow me and I'll make you. I'll show you. Follow, follow me. So the moment you decided you would follow him, he started breaking up that old fallow ground and getting the rocks out and removing the stumps and getting all that mess because you sowed a lot of wrong stuff. And then he planted the right seed, and that was one season. And then it was a season where you had to water it through discipleship and fellowship and learning how to walk with him and talk with him. That was another season. And then there was a season where you had to get the sunlight and the right nutrients. And, and now, he says, if you'll walk with me long enough, I'll make you into something you've never been before. Because there's a miracle seed inside of you. My God in heaven. There's a miracle seed on the inside of you that was planted in you, but it wasn't time for you. 
One thing I learned about Grandma's farm, you don't plant tomatoes on Monday and eat tomato sandwiches on Tuesday. It takes time for plants to mature, to grow, to bud, to sprout forth. It takes time. Developmental maturity does not happen because you put your name on a church ledger or you get baptized in water. It takes time. And and so there was a miracle seed planted on the inside of you called His Word. And there is a season where he wants to get that seed to sprout forth the fruit of what that seed says is possible. And some of us never get into that season because we live with hindrances. And we don't enter into the right season. I want to get rid of all that. God, let that be true in my life. Remove every hindrance that stands in my Way. Is there anybody else that wants that in their life today? Uh-huh. Stepping into a new season, number three. Stepping into a new season brings challenges. It will challenge what you have always believed. Are you hearing me? Peter was a fisherman. Fishermen back then ain't like lazy fishermen today. We got it easy today. We got boats and rods and reels and Fish finders, nets. These boys had to work to fish. Man work. Peter would have had calloused hands and big burly beard. And like Charlie back here got that big manly beard. Just, that's the way Peter would look. They had him playing Joseph in the Christmas thing. They should have had him playing Peter. Peter would have had calluses, blisters on his feet and calluses on his hands. He was a manly man. But he had never been challenged like Jesus was about to challenge him. Because Jesus said, you're going to leave them nets and that practice, and I'm going to turn you into something else, a fisher of men. And Peter went through all kinds of challenges. His faith got challenged. There was a time that Jesus was out on the water. He said, Jesus, if that's you, let me walk on the water. Jesus said, come on. I mean, you got to in an instant make up your mind am I going to obey Jesus or am I going to stand here and look like a fool in front of these people because I asked Jesus to do something and then he he said come on that will challenge your faith I know you come to church every Sunday and say I believe anything's possible do you? because when Jesus says step out the boat are you I'm telling you that's a challenge that is easy to talk about hard to do his faith got challenged his feelings got challenged He stood there in front of Jesus and said, I don't care what the rest of these rascals do. They don't love you like I love you. I'm your dog, Jesus. I'm ride or die, baby. Wherever you go, I'll go. If they take you to jail, I'll take you to jail. If they kill you, I'll die with you. And 15 minutes later, Jesus is calling him a devil and saying, get behind me, Satan. That'll hurt your feelings. I mean, my wife's called me the devil and the pastor before. But to have Jesus call you the devil, that'll hurt your feelings. Somebody say amen. He, 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 had his, he had his traditions and his prejudices challenged. Jesus said, i got to go through Samaria. Peter and all the rest of the boys said, you sure about that? They don't like us. We don't like them. What you going down there for? I mean, there's plenty of better places than, you don't want to go down there with them dirty Half-breed Samaritans. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. That's exactly why they didn't like them. They considered them half-breeds. What are you going down there for, Jesus? 
Because Jesus was about to challenge their prejudices as well as the Samaritans. Because the Samaritan woman that met him at the well said, Your, God, your people say that we got to worship over here. My people say we got to worship over here. Jesus said, Don't matter where you worship, as long as you worship the right way and worship the right person. So he came to challenge all their prejudices. So Peter had that prejudice challenge. But in every one of these challenges, Peter stepped up. But there was one time it seemed like Peter failed. Jesus said before the cock crows three times, you're going to deny you even know me. Oh, not me, Jesus. Uh Uh-uh. No, 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 no. I'm too tough for that. I'm telling you, Peter. And the Bible says that as soon as the cock crowed the third time, him and Jesus locked eyes. And he remembered his words to him. And Peter ran away and cried. Because he knew he had failed. In that courtyard, when he failed Jesus, he ran off and wept bitterly. And that's exactly what happens to some of us when we step into a new season and our life starts falling apart. We feel dry, we feel empty, and despite your best effort, you feel like you let the Lord down. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you believe you are a complete and total failure. And you're still trying to follow Jesus, but just like Peter, you're following from a distance. Because you have stepped into a season where you didn't make all the right choices, and you didn't do all the right things, and you feel like you have so diminished your relationship with Jesus that you can't even follow closely anymore. But remember, look, just talk back to me, because I know I'm preaching a long time. Talk back to me and say, remember, there's a reason for this season. There's a reason for this season. When Peter did not know, and what you may not realize, is Christ's love is greater than your failures. See, 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 you may have messed up, but that does not mean that grace and mercy is not greater than your shortcomings. And this is the part that we don't preach in church enough. Because the Bible says he is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. See, people will hold you to a higher standard than Jesus does. People expect you to be perfect. Jesus knows you're not. That's why he said, let me do for you what you can't do for yourself. And let me make you into what I'm trying to take you to. See, see, think of it like this. You can't walk anywhere without making footprints. Everywhere you go, you leave footprints. But footprints are an indication of where you've been, not where you're headed. And not all footprints are the same. Footprints made in concrete are forever. Footprints in the sand disappear. Jesus looks at your footprints through the eyes of mercy and he sees them like shifting sand. No matter what you've done or where you've been, mercy and grace wipes it all away and makes you somebody new because you're headed somewhere. Now, last but not least, I want to do something. You okay? You all right? You you can get up and leave anytime you want to, but I'm just going to keep teaching. Here's the problem with seasonal Allergies. Allergies affect your senses. Now, not everybody. Some people are born without one or more of them, but most everybody are born with five senses. You know what they are, right? Sight, hearing, smell, taste, and touch. Those are our five senses. And most, uh, most people are born with at least most of them. Most people, I think, are born with all of them to some degree. Husbands don't seem to hear as well. As 
<laughs> Y'all know what I'm talking about. My wife used to have great vision. Now she needs longer arms. Because she's reading the menus like this. I'm like, do you need me to hold it over on my side of the table? Maybe you can see it. So I could go up to the counter where they have a big billboard. We have five senses. Most of us have five senses. And arguments can be made about which one is the most important one. I've debated this before. You know, it's a fun little game you play with people. Like if you had to, if you had to choose between being blind or you couldn't hear which one. And, and, and there's debates to be made, and it's a fun little game to play about that. But in the spirit, in the spirit, you also have senses. Oh, you didn't know that. Well, the Bible challenges you to taste and see that the Lord is good. So you have in your senses, or in your spirit, you also have senses. Now, typically, which means mostly, you only use three. Let me tell you what they are, okay? Because we're Pentecostals, and we get hung up on some of them, and we don't use all of them. Okay? You can, in the spirit, usually we get hung up on three senses. We want to hear God. We want to see what God's doing. And we want to feel him. Am I telling you the truth? Smell and taste really doesn't have a whole lot. If you come in here and tell me you're smelling God. I don't know what my reaction is going to be. But it's probably not going to be like running around and falling out in spirit or something. Okay. What's that smell like? <laughs> okay. So I, I know the Bible says taste and see that the Lord is good. But that's, that's probably something for you to do on your own personal time. We're not going to have no tasting service. We're going to have a tasting crusade where we're all going to taste the Lord. Everybody open their mouth. Like baby birds, we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to deposit into you the sweetness of the Word. We're not going to do any of that. We typically focus on three. We like to feel God. We want to see what God's doing. And we want to hear from Him. So the question becomes this. Is it more important to be able to feel Him, to see Him, or to hear him. I think it comes down to a development. Where are you on your spiritual journey? Let me give you an example. When a woman gets pregnant, once she gets about three to four months along, they start encouraging her and other people to talk and sing to the baby. Why? Because in the stage of development it's in, it can't see anything. Really can't feel anything. But it can hear. And once it's born, it can even recognize the... Once it comes out of the darkness, once it's born into a new reality, once the season changes, it can even recognize the voice that it used to hear in total darkness. It will become attached to the voice that spoke to it when it couldn't feel and it couldn't see, but it could hear. It will become attached to that voice so that when the new reality comes in and they start walking by sight, they will already know the voice they're supposed to follow. That was good, Holy Ghost. So imagine an environment where you only can hear the voice of your father. 
Imagine an environment where you're not hearing about trouble over here, wars going on over here, people's opinions. Imagine an environment where the only voice you heard was the voice of love and concern and care and promise. I'm going somewhere. Romans 10 and 17 says this. Faith cometh by and hearing by the... I'm, I'm, I'm going to say it again. I'll, I'll probably say it a couple times. Faith cometh by and hearing by the... But do you know, faith ain't the only thing that comes by hearing. Fear also comes by hearing. That's why they want you to watch the news. They want you to live in constant state of anxiety because of what they say that causes an impulse of fear. It's a voice that comes out of your mouth, their mouth, into your ears, and your spirit attaches to it, and it's not faith. Faith cometh by hearing, but it ain't just faith. Fear does too. Also, fake cometh by hearing. Phony cometh by hearing. Somebody will walk into the church every Sunday and say, How you doing? I am blessed and highly favored. Really? I saw you crying in the parking lot. Like, you and your husband had a knockout, drag-out fight. He is out in the parking lot right now putting your makeup on his black eye that you gave him, pulling into the church parking lot. And you're going to walk in here with your fake, phony self and say, I am blessed and highly favored of the Lord. <laughs> and, I, and what does that do to you? What does that do to you? Their lie convinces you that everybody else's life is perfect. So you feel less than. Because your life, when you look at your life, you're like, man, alive, they have got it all together. All these Christians I go to church with are, whoop, they're 10 out of 10. I'm barely a 4 on a good day. What am I doing wrong? Yes, that's how we do it. Because fate cometh by hearing. Y'all know, some of y'all going to laugh, some of y'all won't like it. Freak cometh by hearing too. Every once in a while, you better grab them earbuds off that child and say, what you listening to? Oh, you know what? Not even the kids. Some of y'all. Better check your playlist. Oh, I just like the beat. No, you like the trifling message that's in that. That's what you like. Makes you feel some kind of way. Anything that makes you want to get up and do them kind of gyrations, you better check the motivation behind that music because <laughs> trifling come through here and too. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't, I, I want to get deeper into that, but I can't. I'm getting in trouble. And last but not least, failure cometh by hearing. What voices start preaching to you every time you get ready to take on something new? Every time God gets ready to bring you into a new season, what's that voice of, I tried that before and it didn't work? Where's that voice coming from? Because failure cometh by hearing. You go talk yourself out of your blessings. 
I'm telling you, these, these sermons are all interconnected because I'm preparing you now for what we're going to receive later. But I can't, I, it's not one of these, the church has made a mistake over the years where we thought we'd just dump oil over you and lay hands and, and, and I'm going to hold your head under my oily hand long enough and you're going to get delivered. Uh-uh, the Holy Spirit showed me that stuff don't work because there's too many hindrances you have that I can't move. Even God himself refuses to move the hindrances i got to reveal them to you. So you'll move them out of your way so what's behind the stone can come out as your mirror. So, so, so the, voice of, the voice of failure, that's that voice that plays on your he- in your head on repeat when you're about to try something for God. You tried and you failed before. So you've got to learn how to listen to the right voice. Is it more important to hear God, to feel God, or to see God? Can I help you? I know, I know I've been going a long time, hour and seven minutes. Are, are you okay? Okay, so, so on earth, which is faster, the speed of light or the speed of sound? Light. Somebody failed eighth grade science. <laughs> speed of light is faster than the speed of sound. However, that was not the way it worked in the beginning. In the beginning, God said something, and then you could see it. He said it, and it appeared. That tells me that God can speak a thing into existence before you can lay your eyes on it. Before you can lay your eyes on it, God can speak a thing. And I remember as a... Don't, don't come up here yet, honey. It's not that time. I, I, I know you feel like it is, but it, I am nowhere near there yet. <laughs> I didn't want you to get back here and stay for a long time. It's, I got a long way to go. Like, <laughs> she's like, he's, he's at the end. No, I'm not. She'd been back here for a long time. Sister Alicia would go up here and play all the keys off the piano. Here's the thing. When God got ready to create, he spoke it, and then you could see it. Okay? So the reason I bring this to your attention is this. I remember as a, an evangelist in Pentecostal churches... We had this thing that we would do, and I'm not trying to shame you, but we've all done it. Boy, we really had church Sunday. The preacher didn't even, like the preaching is the worst part of the service. Faith cometh by, and hearing by the, uh uh-huh, you got out there without hearing any faith, and thought you had the best service ever. We used to say it all the time. I've said it. I've said it as the visiting evangelist. Like, the service break out. Somebody sing the right songs. Sister so-and-so hit the aisle. Bobby pin shooting out of her ear. Oh, man, we're off and running. Somebody square dancing at the altar. We're clucking like turkeys. I mean, we're off. And all of a sudden, service is over. Nobody preached. Man, we really had church. Here's what you meant. We saw what God did. We felt what God did. We didn't hear from God. Uh, Yeah, yeah. And most Christians, if you had to choose between hearing God, seeing God's hand move, or feeling Him, you would choose to see Him or feel Him. Israel, when they heard the voice of God, we'll we'll deal with this sermon uh, in, in a few weeks. When, when Israel heard his voice, they told Moses, tell him never to talk to us again. We never want to hear. We just, we just want to see what he does. 
We want to feel what he does, but tell him don't ever talk to us again. You know why? Are you ready? I know, I know it's a long time. I apologize, but I know it's a long time, but this is still good stuff. It feels like you're more in control when you can see. But I'm going to challenge that. I, I'm going to challenge that. Okay. Dennis, come help me. Dennis loves to be part of this stuff. You got one job. You got one job. Don't, don't mess this up. You only do what you hear me tell you to do. Okay? ears are different than mine okay so you can hear me right i'm gonna need a couple of these big ushers too where's uh brother todd and we got any we got any more brother mark you, you come up here and help me you're you're, you're big enough fella so i want you to stand back here though dennis i want you to stand back here there you go just face the people smile at them yeah come on up here guys if you two would just stand on either side of him behind him a little bit just just a little bit behind him. i want you to be able to reach him now dennis you can hear me right Okay, so put your, uh, put, put your uh, right hand up. Okay, remember hearing tests when you was in kindergarten? It's a, it, whatever ear it was in, you had to raise your hand. Okay, so put your arm down. Now, now pick your left foot up. Okay, now you can put your leg down. Now remember, you're only going to respond to my voice, right? Can you still hear me? Turn your, uh, put your left arm in the air. Yeah, I just put some noise-canceling earphones on him. And now you can't hear my voice. But, but I, 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 need, uh, I, I need somebody else. Jenny, come on up here. I, I need somebody else. Now, I want you to come up here and stand beside Dennis. But I want you to put these on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. It feels more in control to be able to see than it does to hear. Well, I got two people up here, and one of them can see me, but can't hear me. One of them can hear me, can't see me. So, Jenny, do you trust me? You're only going to do what I tell you to do, okay? Take about three steps forward. Jenny has now gotten closer to me than the one who can see me. Oh, he can't just see me. He can see everything I'm doing. Oh, I could be out here gyrating and throwing blessings. <sighs> and the Holy Ghost moves like a rimerand. <sighs> hey, he can see all that. But he can't hear me. So when I say come closer... Jenny, take two more steps closer. She can't see me, but because she trusts me, she can follow my voice. Because you don't have to see what God is doing to follow his voice. And, and the one that can't hear me, but can only see me, just gets confused. When he sees what it is, I'm... 
See, see, when I do strange things that you think you want me to do, when I come out here and start touching his people, oh, I want to see the hand of the Lord touch his people. Well, I'm touching his people, but because he can't hear me, what I'm doing looks strange to him, and he don't know how to respond. Should I go out there where it's happening, or should I stay here? See, when you don't listen to the voice of God, but you only see him, you're like confused all the time. Should I move to Atlanta or should I stay in this house? Should I go back to school or should I get this degree? You just stay in a constant state of confusion because you can see him but you can't hear him. And hearing him is so much more valuable than seeing him. Oh yeah, but what about touching, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked that. I want the hand of the Lord to touch me. Here's the problem about that. Are you sure it's his hands? Hey, Brother Todd. Reach out and lay your hand on Dennis. Whose hand's on you? I don't know. Brother Mark, give him a little shove. Huh? Now, now, Brother Mark, I'm over here, but now I moved. Because sometimes God, sometimes God moves. But because that's the last place you saw me, Brother Mark, I want you to push Dennis that way. Uh-huh. And he's confused because he can see, he can see, but he can't hear. He, he, he can see. Why are they shoving me? Is this God moving me? He don't know whether his hand's on him, my hand's on him, Jenny. He has no idea Mary Kay's up here poking him with a stick. He don't know. Because when all you want to do is see God and feel God, you stop listening. And listening to God, Jenny, take about three more steps forward. Listening to Him is how you get into His presence to where He can finally take the blinders off. And because you've gotten close to him, there's not no devil in hell in his presence to touch you and to push you and to manipulate you. Thank you. <laughs> you, you passed the test. You can still hear. That was a good song. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so you don't have to see God to obey God. So some of you have been so focused on what you see. You forgot to hear what he said. I don't even have time to unpack this. But the reasons the Pharisees hated Jesus was because they were so convinced about what God had said in the Old Testament scriptures. They could no longer hear what God was saying when he was standing in front of them. He said, on the Mount of Olives, he said six times, you have heard it said. You have heard it. It said. Six times. He said, you have heard it said, but I say. You've heard it said. You heard about God in the Old Testament, but I'm here to show you a whole new thing. This is a new season. I'm bringing in a whole new reality to who God is. Because all you've been doing is following a bunch of rules. Because you heard. Do you know prisons are full of people? That juries convicted because of what they some of you heard things about God that prevent you from being able to hear from God. When I was a little boy in children's church and Sunday school, I heard about a God that sat on a throne with lightning in his fists ready to smite down every sinner 
And I was scared to death of who he was. Because I believed that if I got saved and I ever made a mistake again, he didn't love me no more. And I had to start all over again. Like if I've been walking good, and I do good sometimes for two or three days. I'm just honest. I do good for two or three days. But I believe that after two or three days when I finally did make a mistake because nobody's perfect. That I had to start all over again. Well, I guess I, I failed so I can't preach. I, I can't. I might as well not even go to church tonight because I feel like a hypocrite raising my hands and praising because I'm not perfect. I made, I made mistakes this week. I cussed somebody at Walmart. I mean, Walmart make a preacher want to cuss. I'm just saying. I wasn't nice to my wife. I, wasn't, I had a bad attitude with my kids. I told my boss what I thought about him. I'm harboring sin in my heart. I'm doing things when the lights go off I'm not proud of. I might as well not even go to church. I might as well not lift my hands. I'm nothing but a hypocrite. That, that's the way I felt because I had heard. I had heard about God. That he was wrathful and revenge taking. And it stopped me from being able to hear. In Joshua, when the spies showed up at Rahab's establishment read the story she said we have heard about your God and we're afraid because we heard your God gives victory to his people we heard that your God performs miracles but what if that's not what they had heard what if they had been in the Sunday school class I was in and the children's church I went to, and they had heard that God was vengeful toward anybody that made a mistake. Well, that changes everything. Because now I'm not afraid of God because I know if I can manipulate you, God will smite you. Some of you are sitting under the sound of my voice, and one of the hindrances, I'm going to deal with hindrances for the rest of this season. I don't know how long it's going to be. But some of you are sitting under the sound of my voice, and the hindrance is you stopped hearing God because of what you heard about him. So you stopped. Your growth, your maturity stopped when you made that mistake. When you failed. And now you keep coming to church and you keep hoping to find that fix again. See, some of y'all, some of y'all addicts will understand. Some of us trade one fix for another one. Some of us trade heroin for Jesus. We stopped getting high on cocaine. We started getting high on the Holy Ghost. And, and you're coming back every week trying to replicate that, that high you got, that fix you got when you first got saved. But because you have sinned since then, now you stopped hearing from Him because of what you have heard about Him. And you, you've heard that God don't love you anymore because you struggle with See, the world has heard a lot of things about God that God never said about Himself. If you're sitting under the sound of my voice and you, you struggle with hearing from God because of what you have heard about God, can I tell you that it's not enough for you to see Him, feel Him? I already showed you, it's far better to hear 
Some of you can't hear because the hindrances in your way are the things that you heard. You heard that because you got divorced, God can't use you anymore. You heard because your child is backslidden that you didn't raise them up right because the promise says that if I raise a child up in the way that they should go, that they, when they're old, they won't depart from it. So that must mean I failed my child. And now you can't hear new revelation from Him. You can't hear new love from Him. You can't hear new anointing from Him. You can't hear new calling from Him because of what you heard about Him. And that's your hindrance. That, that's keeping you from entering into a new season of blessing because you're like, I don't feel, I don't feel worth. I don't feel blessed. So I must not be able to be blessed. I've prayed about this. I've fasted about this. I've begged God. I've held on to Scripture. And I still haven't got healed. I must not deserve it. Because I heard that God is a healer, but He's not healing me. You've got to be able to hear fresh and anew. You've got to be able to hear what God is saying to you here what did we start out with this morning? There is a season for everything. When you read Ecclesiastes chapter 3, you'll find 28 different seasons. You know the one you do not find? A season to quit. Doesn't exist. Not there. There's a season to grow and to die. There's a season to raise up and to knock down. There's a season to give and there's a season to take. There's never a season to quit. Because he says, if you're mine, I'm going to keep calling you. I'm going to keep looking at Jenny saying, take three more steps. I'm going to keep looking your direction. And even when I move, even when I've moved my glory from one place to another, if you can hear me, you'll hear me say, Jenny, now turn right and take three steps this way. Because even if you can't see what I'm doing, as long as you can hear me, you can follow my voice into my presence. And he wants you to be able to follow his voice into his presence. And this, that's what this season of your life is about. So, so Holy Ghost, I'm asking you this morning that you would unstop spiritual ears. And I prophesy to the wind of the Holy Spirit that would come in and blow away the guilt and the shame and the manifestation of weaknesses that are attaching themselves to our minds and our spirits and causing us not to believe that we're worthy of what you're doing for us. Holy Spirit, you have got such great plans for us. And this season is preparing us for our season where a miracle can sprout forth, come out of us. You have been bringing us to maturity. You have been bringing us to completion. You have been bringing us to a point where we could have fellowship with you. Do it, Holy Ghost, right now in this place. For every person that's ready to live unhindered, do it, do it, do it. Shame should be melting away like wax off of some of you right now. Some of you have been carrying guilt for years over a divorce. Your kids make you feel guilty your family makes you feel ashamed I'm here to tell you God is not ashamed of you my God in heaven I just feel that in my spirit I'm here to tell you God is not ashamed of you I'm here to tell you God has not given up on you he is still willing to speak to you some of you struggle with addiction my God. 
And you come into God's house and you feel ashamed to come to the altar because you know that you've used, whether it's been pornography or narcotics or, or, or the lust of the flesh, you have used recently and you feel embarrassed and ashamed to approach. God loves you too much to leave you in the way that you are, but He knows He can never change you unless you draw close to Him. So He is not trying to hold you at arm's length because you have made mistakes. He's trying to draw you closer because He knows in His presence is fullness of joy joy and all that stuff that's clinging on to you will fall off if you get close enough to him wow but the hindrance the first hindrance we're going to deal with is this 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 thing that keeps us at an arm's distance because we don't hear from God because of what we heard about him I heard that your God condemns people who wonder about their sexuality Hello. You're going to tell me God's going to give up on a whole people, group of people because they're confused? Not going to happen. Church folk more religious than God is. Time for us to get a, a new word called compassion and understanding and realize God's not giving up on unwed teenage mothers, God's not writing off divorcees. God's not done using people that used this past week. God's not done with people that come out of sin just to run back to it time and time again. He knows our frame. The Bible says He understands how frail we are because He remembers He created us from the dust. He don't expect much out of us. Pastor, I failed. Yeah, me too. And if he don't come snatch me out of here real soon, I'm going to do it again. I ain't planning to. I just know me. I may not make it out of this church before me and my wife have a knockdown drag out. I told her to sit down a while ago. I'm so sorry, honey. I did not mean to tell you to sit down. I know I've preached a long time. I'm not going to belabor this point. But I do want the Holy Spirit to just settle in among His people and do what only He can do. Listen to this voice. God's not ashamed of you. He's not finished with you. He's not embarrassed of you. And He's not walking away from you. Don't let what you heard stop you from being able to hear. Because God's got plans for you. He'll work that out. The blood of Jesus will get rid of that sin in your life. The blood of Jesus will eradicate that shame and heal those hurts. But you've got to be open to hearing His voice. Every eye closed, if you would, in this room. And just, just spend some time with Him. I'm not asking for a big, obstinate, outlandish, loud demonstration of your faith I'm just asking you to get real quiet close your eyes to where you can't see what I'm doing or what anybody else is doing because I'm wanting you to be able to hear the sweet voice of your loving father who created you for a purpose and loves you unconditionally can you hear it I want you to tune into that voice until you can hear him tell you he loves you.